Pastor Eddie. I'm one of the service pastors here, and we want to welcome you to V1 Brooklyn. On behalf uh, of our lead pastor, Pastor Mike and Pastor Julie, we should have uh, a beautiful picture. Now, that is a beautiful picture. I, got... I was trying to look for my wife. I'm like, babe, we got to step up our game a little bit because these pictures, <laughs> our pictures are jacked up. Uh, but... But we honor Pastor Mike and Pastor Julie for their leadership in this house and the vision and the compelling vision that is bringing people here. It's just so, so amazing. So thank you uh, as they have been ministering in Indiana. Indiana was amazing tonight. And Pastor Patrick was over there uh, in the broadcast location. And I got a chance to uh, see his sermon. And I'm like, man, you just theologian all over the place, Pastor Patrick. I got... <laughs> step up my game. But uh, I'm just so excited, and I do want to honor my wife, my lovely wife. That's the, <laughs> Pastor Jocelyn. This is all because of, this is, this is all because of her, trust me. Uh, but I want to say, babe, thank you so much. Love you uh, for everything. You know, you really uh, have helped me, and just, you, you complete me. Just, you know, just want to put that I'm getting some brownie points for later. Okay. I got two kids already. I got two kids. I said, no more, no more. I said, we're, we're talking about fasting, guys. Come on. Okay. So, so uh, any V1 college students, former or, or prior in the house, V1 college? So, you already know what I'm about to say, V1 college. Make sure you get your notebooks out. Get your, uh, we are a note taking church, if you did not know. Uh, but we'd love for you to get this content into your system. Okay, and just grow in God's grace. So if you have your notepads out, you can't take your notepads out, it's up to you. But we are coming off of this relationship series. Wasn't it just amazing, right, that relationship ripped up the list. So, but now we're going into our series Fast Forward, right. And we're talking about making room for God. So when we talk about fasting, let's just, let me just put it out there. There is a misunderstanding when we're talking about fasting. There is a fear that's attached to it. But there's also, it's also found in scripture. So there's a lot of misunderstanding. There's a lot of misinterpretation about fasting. I'm, we're not going to clear it up here tonight, <laughs> okay? But what we are going to do is take you guys on a journey of fasting for the next four weeks. When we're talking about fasting, it's actually mentioned more than 70 times in scripture. And it's actually mentioned more than baptism. So there is a reason why fasting is so important. And even though... Fasting is not commanded, it should be covenanted. It's not <laughs> I'm going to get a lot of that tonight. Even though it's not commanded, it is covenanted. It is God's idea, and it is not man's idea. But it should be conducted with the purpose of godliness, right? Uh, otherwise, what we end up doing to fasting is we make it this mundane, we make it this miserable experience, and it becomes something that's self-centered, right? You ever met somebody that's hangry? Oh, no, no, come on. You met, yeah. I experienced that yesterday with my wife. Uh, that we, <laughs> You see how I loved her in the beginning, and I brought her up, and then I'm like, all right, now I'm going to say something. So it was, you know, we came out of like a three-hour meeting, like literally three-hour meeting, and we were all hungry. All of us were hungry. So she said, okay, let me go to the store, get a couple sandwiches and stuff like that. But specifically, she wanted certain things. 
I know as a husband, I know, okay, I'm going to make sure I write this down and I get exactly what's on this list because if I don't, I'm in trouble. End up going to the supermarket. I thought I did good. I even called her from the supermarket to verify the items. <laughs> Guys, I, st I still messed up. <laughs> I, still, I still messed up. I came back and they were like, but where's the lettuce? But where's the tomato? But this has high sodium. Why would you even buy that? That is my struggle. But anyway, that's, that's, that's a hangry person. So here is a, here's something that I want you guys to understand and reflect on. Here's a key that I want you to understand. And it's going to be pretty much what we're going to launch into. But fasting intensifies and accelerates you to make room for God. Fasting intensifies and accelerates you to make room for God. Now, I know there's a lot of biblical definitions on fasting. I created my own because I can do that. And this is my definition of fasting. It is temporarily abstaining of something good in order to intensify our need of something greater. Woo. You have to get the recording on that one. I'm not going to do that all the time. But what I'm saying is that it has to intensify. Some of us, we go into this fasting and into this mode of discipline and there's not enough intensity behind it. So when you fast for a purpose, you are allowing the hunger pains to serve you and not the opposite way around. Think about that for a minute. You got to allow these hunger pains and these groanings to serve you and not the way around. And it becomes this reminder of our physical that our weakness becomes our greatest strength in the spiritual. So let me give you something because John the Baptist, his disciples were going through this. They were, they were dialoguing with each other and they confront Jesus with a question. And if you, you could turn to it if you want, but it will be up on the screen. But Matthew chapter 9, verse 14 to 17, and this is probably when John was actually in prison at this time. But John's disciples present Jesus with a question. Why do we and the Pharisees fast? But your disciples do not fast, right? Why would they ask them that question? Because Jewish tradition, they fasted at least twice per week. So, and in verse 15, it says, here's Jesus' response. Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? Right? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them. And here is what I want you to understand. And then they will fast. And then they will fast. So you see, the time of Jesus' death was not ready yet. The bridegroom was still in the building. And then here is verse 17. Neither is new wine put in old wineskin. If it is, the skins burst and the wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put in fresh wineskin and so both are preserved. Now, let's say... Pastor Eddie, what, what, we're talking about fasting. Why are you talking about wine? You're getting me a little excited here. <laughs> so how does this relate anyway to the equation of fasting? So when wine actually went through this process of fermentation and how it was stored, it depends on how it was stored that it would produce a great outcome. 
So wine has to be put in, into these containers and these wineskins. And these wineskins were made out of animal skins, right? And when Jesus used the term old, he's, he's basically saying, well, these old wineskins, they don't have the ability to stretch anymore. Come on. They don't have the ability to stretch anymore. So stay with me. So now if new wine is put into these old wineskins, then the process of fermentation, it would put pressure on these skins and then they would eventually burst. So that's what Jesus is saying. That's why you need to put new wine into the new wine skin in order to preserve it. So this is what Jesus is saying to them. Jesus is saying that your Old Testament ways and your systems, you're trying to contain the newness of my coming. You have it all wrong. You got to get with the program. And I'm telling you, some of us, we're putting new wine into the old wineskin areas of our lives. And, and it's not stretching enough. We're not making room for God. We're not stretching those areas in our life. But we're putting the junk of the past and the generational things and all the sins of our life and the habitual occurrences. And we're saying, well, I could still praise Jesus. I could still go through life and, 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 and fabricate my faith. I could still go through it. Jesus had to basically say, no, you guys, you got it wrong. And maybe you've been trying the former ways and you're coming up short. But I want to remind you here that the bridegroom is inviting you here today. And he's declaring that today you will fast because the bridegroom is in heaven now. So today you will fast. There is this expectation, Matthew 6, 16, where it says, and when you fast. So fasting is an expectation. Okay. So now that I got that out the way. I want to give you five ways that fasting accelerates you forward. Five ways that the discipline of fasting is able to accelerate you forward and to make room for God. Here's the first one. Fasting sharpens, say that word with me, sharpens. Fasting sharpens your spiritual perception to advance. Fasting sharpens your spiritual perception to advance. I want to tell you a, a, a true story that I actually heard. There were uh, two lumberjacks. There was a younger lumberjack, and then there was an older lumberjack. And the younger one, he was pretty proud of himself because he could actually cut trees so fast, faster than pretty much anybody else. So he was a prideful lumberjack, right? Now here's the older lumberjack. He's there, and now he sees the opportunity to say, you know what? There's an opportunity to show some humility to this younger lumberjack. So they got a contest together, and they started a race, and they actually started it, and then maybe like halfway through, the younger lumberjack is looking back, and then he sees the older lumberjack taking a break. Every hour, he's taking a break, and the, lumber, the young lumberjack, I got this in the palm of my hand. This guy's taking a break because he's so old. <laughs> so at the end of the day, it comes to find out that the older lumberjack cut one-third more trees than the younger one. Now, this young guy was perplexed. He didn't even understand what was transpiring. How can this old guy do this? And then the older lumberjack said to him, because when I stopped, I took time to sharpen my axe. <laughs> so you see, 
a lot of us are trying to do right with dull axes and we wonder why the trees aren't falling in our lives. I don't know if you got that, but some of you, you're going into warfare without a sharp knife, without a sharp axe, and your spiritual perception is off. It's time for you to get to that place of rest and say, God, sharpen the areas of my life that I need to see. It happened in 1 Samuel 13, 20, when the Israelites were going to war. In 1 Samuel 13, 20, he says, but every one of the Israelites, they went down to the Philistines to sharpen their plowshares, their mattocks, and their axes, and their sickles. Here's the reality. You cannot fight a physical battle with a spiritual dull weapon. It just doesn't happen. And the weapon of fasting, it allows us to get through these crises in our lives. So... How is that even possible? Because now you're able to see things more clearly when you're not full of yourself. <laughs> you're not able to see things clearly when you're full of yourself, right? How many of you, you ever eat to the point where you just feel lethargic? You just feel like, ah, I'm just going to binge watch Netflix. And, you know, you don't even want to get up from the couch because it's just, you just overate too much. Where a lot of us, we're trying to fill ourselves with spiritual things in our lives, and we're overeating when we should be sharpening. Oh, man. What fasting does is that it clears the clutter of your spiritual condition so that now you can continue onward. It's time to sharpen. Here's the second one. Fasting strengthens. Say strengthens. Fasting strengthens your communication with God. We said before, biblical fasting is not a command, but what it does is that it puts a demand on your prayer. And we see that in Ezra 8.23. We see Ezra is now leading a group of exiles back to the city of Jerusalem. And what does he do before he leads the people? He proclaims a fast. And it reads, so we fasted and we implored. Another word for implored is we petitioned. We petitioned our God for this, and he listened to our entry. I just want you to know the reality. Let me give you some context because that journey was 900 miles. It was 900 miles where they didn't have any military escort. They didn't have any protection, but yet they reach, still reached their final destination. How is that even possible? Because some of us, were trying to do this Christian journey without the aid of fasting. And we find ourselves in the wilderness experience. You have to, before you even go on this journey, this 900-mile journey, whatever journey God has specifically for you, you got to fast. You got to fast some things out. Some things only come out by prayer and by fasting. And during Lent at this time, what do we do? We acknowledge the time when Jesus was actually tempted by the devil, right? The spirit led Jesus into the wilderness when? Right after the fast. As soon that opportune time. Man, you know the devil knows where to push your buttons at the right time. And Jesus right now, right where he was hungry, Satan presents the opportunity. And now he tells Jesus, turn these stones into bread. And what does Jesus reply? Man does not live by bread alone, but by every what? Word. Every word that comes from the mouth 
of God. It's every word, every spoken word, everything that comes out of your mouth. You see, fasting, you can't use as a crutch. I just want to just say that. Fasting doesn't change God's hearing. It doesn't. What fasting does, it puts, it, it changes the direction of how you actually pray. In Nehemiah chapter 1, 4, it says that Nehemiah fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. In Daniel 9, 3, he devoted himself to ask God in prayer and in fasting. In Acts 13, 3, Saul and Barnabas, before even going to their first missionary journey, looked at the church of Antioch and they prayed and they fasted for them before they left. This is what fasting is. Fasting is putting an exclamation point at the end of your sentence. Fasting is putting an exclamation point at the end of your sentence. Well, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to speak, God. But I know if I incorporate fasting, it's, it's basically putting a demand on my prayer and it's saying, God, you got to hear me on this. God, this is serious business. If you put fasting as an exclamation point at the end of your sentence, it's reaching to the throne of God and saying, God, you got to hear me out. This is serious warfare. This is serious right now. Some of us, we're praying, but that's all we're doing. We're not incorporating the spirit. I want you to see the importance of how fasting is. It's such an important weapon that we've been given. And it strengthens our communication with God. So now before we go, God, we, we tell God, you know what? <laughs> you know, I'm hungry, but by every word that proceeds from your mouth. You know, I may be going through this struggle, but every word that, pro that proceeds from my mouth is layered with prayer and fasting. I am incorporating these things, and it's putting a demand on my prayer and an exclamation mark in what I'm praying about. Here's the third one. Fasting seeks. Say that with me. Seeks. Fasting seeks out the counsel of God. Fasting seeks out the counsel of God. You know, uh, Moses... You know, I got to give it to Moses because he was uh, having a hard time with Israel. <laughs> they kept complaining and complaining. Sounds like church folk. They kept complaining and complaining. So Moses literally had to go to the mountain, Mount Sinai, multiple times here. And uh, he would visit God. And actually there was one time where he visited God during a 40-day fast. And Moses went up to seek God and received the commandments. This was actually the second time that he received the commandments. But now God gives Moses more direction and emphasis. And there's a point now where Moses comes down from Mount Sinai after conversing with God and receiving the commandments. And it said that his face was so bright. His face was so bright. Let me read the scripture to you in Exodus 34, 29. Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Let me tell you something. When you come into a place of fasting, you're going to shine bright. When you're coming from a place of fasting and just coming to God and dedicated to God, you're going to be visible to other people. Moses didn't even know. Moses didn't even know. He didn't care how he looked like. And that's why Jesus had to continually go to the Pharisees and say, you guys put sackcloth and ashes. You're trying to look like a Christian, but in your heart, you're like a brood of vipers. 
We, and we need to get to this point where we don't even recognize the glory of God because it is so inside of us because of prayer and fasting. That's where we got to get to this point. You know, I, I love people. Oh, they go on social media. Oh, I'm fasting, guys. They'll, they'll even put, they'll even they'll put an Instagram story. Hey, guys, see this temptation here? Uh-uh, not me. I'm not. Greater is he that is in me. I bind this pizza in the name of Jesus. And they put it on public display. When God is saying, just come to the mountain with me. Just come to the mountain with me. Receive the commands that I have for you. You don't have to try your Old Testament ways of doing things because I got new wine to give you. But see, it's not fasting that improves how, how you look. It's not how it improves how you look. But when you have sought after the counsel of God, it takes change inside your heart and then other people take notice. What fasting does is that it rearranges your hunger pains to a holy pursuit of what is good. It rearranges your hunger pains to now say, now I'm going to wholly pursue after you. You see, fasting doesn't guarantee that you're going to get this guidance. I just want you to know that. Some of you probably saying, well, if I fast, I'm going to get the answer. No. <laughs> it's not always going to happen like that. But what it does is that it puts you into a place to become receptive to hearing from God. You know, when you look at the book of Judges here, there was a civil war that was happening with the 11 tribes of Israel and Benjamin. And they, the 11 tribes were actually preparing for war against Benjamin. And two times they sought out God with prayer. And they lost the battle every time. They sought out God every time. They thought they were doing the right thing in their counsel. They thought that they were seeking God. Well, God, I'm doing everything that my pastor is telling me to do. I'm doing everything that I've read in the books. I'm reading every spiritual warfare book that there is. But I just don't see it. But what ends up happening is now they change their mindset, and it was at the third time when they incorporated fasting that now God actually allowed them to have the victory. I'm just here to tell you here today that you got to incorporate the mode of fasting because there is where your victory lies. Stop trying to do the old ways. Well, this is the old system. This is how we did it in our old church. And some of us, we bring our wounds from the past in order to perform in the future. And you cannot bring the old wounds into new wine skin. You can't bring the oldness into the newness of his covenant. Come on, church. And we bring that. And we think that's okay and that's the norm. You know, and we lick each other's wounds. It's going to be all right. God's got your back. <laughs> oh, don't worry, Christian. You're going to be okay. Don't worry about, you know, you committing infidelity with your wife. It's all right. Oh, don't, don't worry about scrolling on TikTok and you see that girl twerking or whatever. And, uh... <laughs> I 
don't know about you, but the Bible says, lead me not into temptation. That's what scripture affirms. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver us from every kind of evil. That's the Father's prayer. That's not my prayer. (laughs) Here's number four. Fasting surrenders. Say surrenders. Fasting surrenders who we are to who he is. You see, people need to know what's at the bottom. Think about that. People need to know what's at the bottom. And sometimes you must get to the bottom of the pit in order to see the top of your purpose. Sometimes you have to hit rock bottom. Some of us, we're holding things, and I talked about this to the V1 college students. Some of us, we think that we've been delivered of certain things and we've excavated our heart, but only to a certain extent to allow God to move. Well, God, just enough. If I just tippy-toe and I give you 75% of my deliverance, can I just keep the 25? Is that all right? Can I serve two masters? No. That's not how it works. (laughs) But sometimes you have to get to the bottom. It's a discipline that exposes and excavates your deepest need for God. What it is doing, it is bowing down to my understanding and my thinking and my ways and is lifting God up. Fasting, it's giving up the craving of the flesh for the greater need of the spirit. Isaiah 58 one of the longest and most comprehensive uh, passages on the subject of fasting. And this is when the nation of Israel was actually fasting before the Lord. But they began to complain. They began to complain when God didn't respond the way that they wanted to. Sounds familiar? Hello. I'm there. Their fast was half-hearted. Their fast was prideful. Their fast was fabricating the holiness of God. They looked like a Christian, but their attitude and character looked way, way, way different. What they did eventually was they edged out God. They edged out God because of their lack of surrender. God wasn't the object of their worship anymore. Here's the question that I want you guys to wrestle with here today. Is the fast that you've chosen, Is it from God or is it birthed from a place of pride? Is it the fast that God has chosen for you? Or is it something that is birthed from the realm of pride in your life? Because in order to get to the place of surrender, you have to break some stuff off of you. That hasn't been broken yet. Isaiah 58 When we look at verse 6, it says, Is not this the fast that I've chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? God wants to break some stuff off of you, but you got to stop holding on to that yoke of gossip. God wants to break some stuff off of you, but you got to stop holding to the yoke of idolatry. God wants to break that yoke off of you, 
But you got to stop holding on to that yoke of addiction. Why? Because when you read verse 8, what it says there, it says, The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Moses understood that. The glory of the Lord is going to be your rear guard. He was filled with the glory of God, and he didn't need nobody else to look at him. He didn't care. He didn't even know. Stop pretending that you're holding on to things when you need to break it off of you and let go and let God. And the only way that I can even say that to you because God had to first break this man to a point on his knees to get to the bottom of the issues. And we need to get to the bottom and to the root cause. Some of us, we're like a potted plant and we're like this small little potted plant and we like our little pot and it's so cute and it's got designs all around it and it looks nice but the roots don't go deep enough because you stay within that pot. You stay within that area of being familiar. You stay within that realm of saying, well, I'm okay in this pot. It's all right. But in order for you to grow in the grace of God, in order for you to expand your clarity and your perception of who God is, God's got to rip you out of the familiar in order to put you in a place of faith. You got to go into a bigger pot. Some of you, you're still in this pot mentality. You're just small, but, you're, but God wants to just take you out so that your roots, your roots can grow deeper, so that you can understand what the glory of God is. Really understand. I don't even think we even understand that word. We have no understanding. Our finite minds can't even begin to comprehend the glory of God but he'll still give it to you. He'll still give it to you. The glory of God lives inside of you, so why diminish it with a small pot? Why keep it small? Put it inside a pot that it can grow and that is deep, its roots run deep so that everybody can receive of you. Can you all stand? I believe this is going to be a moment because verse number five is fasting satisfies. Say satisfies. Fasting satisfies your soul so that you can resist the enemy. <sighs> In Matthew, Matthew 4, right, it recounts for us this temptation narrative. Three times Jesus is being tempted, right? We see the pleasure, the protection, and the pride there, right? And this is when Jesus begins his public ministry. So Jesus did not even begin his public ministry until he fasted. Think about that for a minute. Jesus did not begin his public ministry until he fasted and was tempted. We've become so platform-driven when we haven't met God in the private. You cannot go public with God until you experienced him in the private. You guys getting that? 
It's in the private. It's in the secret place. Oh, but I want to do worship. I want to be like Mary, and I want to sing. And I can't sing, and I'm not going to sing for you, but it's not, it's not my gift. But I want to be here. I want to be here where everybody could see me. You think Moses cared about that when he went up to the mountaintop? He didn't even know. He did not even know. Yet Jesus, here we see the last temptation. We read it in Matthew 4, 8 where it says, The devil took him to the very high mountain, the very top of the mountain, and he showed him all the kingdoms of this world and their glory. Jesus was already satisfied with the glory of God. Devil, I don't need your glory. I don't need what you're going to offer me. I don't need what you could give me. There's no pill or alcohol that can satisfy my craving to God. And if I got to abstain from food, that's okay. Because I don't thrive on food. I thrive on my faith. That's all that I need. That's all that I need. Psalm 69 says this when I humbled my soul <laughs> stop right when I humbled my soul with what fasting I humbled how did I humble my soul how did I get to the point of the bottom how did I ever understand that realm where my desperate my desperation for God is at an all-time high it's when I fasted and when I humbled my soul. And it says they insulted me for doing so. People are going to insult you. That's all right. <laughs> when I made sackcloth my clothing, I became a byword to them. People are going to make fun of you, and that's okay. It's all right. But verse 13 says this. But as for me, my prayer is to you, O Lord. At an acceptable time. An acceptable time. Remember that? Does that sound familiar when we read it earlier? An acceptable time. We wait with anticipation for the bridegroom's return. Another phrase that's used here is time of favor. It's God's favor on your life. It's his deliverance for your life. It's his mercy on your life. And then and only then can we receive the benefits of the glory of God. Verse 15 says, let not the flood sweep over me. Some of you, you're allowing the flood to sweep over you here tonight. Or the deep swallow me up, or the pit closes mouth over me. My world may be closing in, but God. I may be going through hell on earth right now, but God. I may not be able to pay for my next bill, but God. I may be suffering a physical ailment, but I know this thorn on the side is only going to benefit for the glory of God that's inside of me. You got to start looking at your pain as a progress. You got to start looking at those areas of your life to say, how can God get the most glory here? How can, he be, how can I be satisfied in this? Joel 2, I know I'm throwing a lot of scripture at you, but that's all I know how to do. <laughs> Joel 2, 12, 13 says, yet even now declares the Lord, return to me with what? All your heart, 
with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. 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 If you want Brooklyn, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Doesn't say with fasting and good old times over some good old burgers. It says with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Man, what a delightful scripture. Because what fasting does is this. And it says, rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God. Fasting is when your soul cries out. Fasting is when your soul cries out to God. And it says, make room. Make room for those areas of my life that I'm dealing with, that I'm struggling with, that I'm holding on to. And I believe tonight is going to be a place where you're going to allow the stretching to take place. You know, your stomach is one of the most powerful organs in your body. It secretes acids and enzymes to help you digest your food properly. But what it does, it breaks it down into nutrients so that it can go into the intestines. It could process through the intestines. And when your stomach is actually empty of food, I just learned this. I don't have a PhD or anything like that. But it can actually stretch 12 inches. So it stretches based on the amount of food that you actually intake. So the more room you actually allow it to have the more you can actually receive. You guys getting that? Is it clicking in? When you receive dead weight of what you actually are putting into your spirit, some of us are doing that. We're putting in things that we don't need. It's not nourishing enough for our spirit. It's not nourishing enough for our spiritual walk and our relationship with God. Because God wants to accelerate you forward. When you make room for God, what you are essentially doing is you're clearing the amount of space to allow for the Spirit of God to do something inside of you. Fasting sharpens. It strengthens. It seeks. It surrenders. It satisfies you to move forward. Don't go to war with a dull axe, but make room for God. Don't rely on your own strength thinking that you got it all together but make room for God don't search for the wisdom through your own means trying to think and trying to rationalize the situation but make room for God don't surrender to your own will but make room for God don't say I'm satisfied with enough some of you, you got into that point where you say, I'm satisfied. I got enough TikTok followers. I'm good. I got enough friends. I'm good. I'm satisfied with what I got. I got a little paycheck. White picket fence. I'm good. I'm satisfied. But make room for God because he's about to overflow in your life. Exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can ask or think. I want you to all close your eyes right now. 
But we're going to have a time of, of prayer and understanding. And I want you to understand this. As we talked about fasting here, fasting is an intensifier to your walk with God. Fasting intensifies and it accelerates you to make room for God. What are the areas right now in your life that you haven't made room for God in? Come on, I know, I know you guys are digging deep right now. This is the moment where now everything comes together. This is the moment right now where you start to, you have to start digging deep into those roots, into those areas right now and say, Father God, what areas in my life have I held back from your glory? I'm only going up halfway into the mountaintop. I'm not even there yet. But God, I need you. I need to make room for you in the area of my life. I don't want to go to war with a dull axe anymore. I want the worship team to sing, just sing the chorus of that song. But as they do that, I want you to just contemplate where you are right now. Don't leave this room the same, saying, I got it together, Pastor Eddie. That, that word was good. It's all right. It's not my word. At the end of the day, it's this. It's just between you and between God. How are you going to leave this place? Are you going to make room for the areas of your life that you need to make room for? I want to invite the, the prayer team and the deliverance team to just come up right now. And we're going to create a moment right here to make room for God. This is the area to make room for God. So as the worship team sings this, I just want you to just tug on your heartstrings right now and say, God, if there are areas of my life that I have not intensified, if there are areas of my life that need to be accelerated forward, if there are areas of my life that I'm struggling with and I'm dealing with, help me to fast those things out. Help me to incorporate this discipline, oh God, that can get me to the next level of your grace and your glory. So come on, let's...